Welcome and thank you for joining us this Sunday as we continue our study of the book of Galatians. I would invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. We'll be in verses 11 through 14 of Galatians chapter 2. Now, standing up to your friends is often more difficult than standing up to your enemies. This is what we call peer pressure. And it is a powerful force in our lives. For who cannot think of a story of giving in to do something stupid or illogical or even illegal because a friend pressured you to do so? Your first drink, your first cigarette, your first act of vandalism probably were not done after a day of contemplation over the positives and negative effects of your actions. No, you were probably doing these because you were seeking the approval of a friend. And so you acted impulsively against your better judgment. On a humorous note, when I was in middle school, I had a friend that thought that 90s grunge fashion was very cool. And so to impress him, I showed up at the mall wearing a black T-shirt, a flannel over it, baggy jean shorts with long thermal underwear sticking out underneath on the legs and Doc Martens. I think Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam wore it once. And my friend wore something very similar. Now, if we were in Seattle, Washington at the time, we would have fit right in. But we were in Augusta, Georgia. And so we stuck out to say the least. Nevertheless, we walked around the mall looking like fools. At least we look like fools together. In our passage for this Sunday, we have a case of peer pressure causing Peter and other church leaders to make foolish decisions. As we will see, they felt pressure to stop meal fellowship with Gentile Christians. You see, in the Old Testament law, there is laid out dietary restrictions, which made it extremely difficult for Jews to eat with Gentiles. And so to avoid even the slightest hint of impropriety, Jews for centuries had shunned even sitting with Gentiles during a meal out of fear that they might accidentally encounter something that was not kosher. However, The Word of God teaches us that Christ fulfilled the law in such a way that dietary restrictions were no longer required. Peter himself had received direct revelation from God that he need no longer follow such restrictions. In the book of Acts chapter 10, we read that Peter fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending being laid, let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. Now, immediately following this revelation, Peter is directed to go to the home of a Gentile man named Cornelius. And there he was to share the gospel freely with this Gentile. 
You see, the gospel fulfills the law, which once separated Jews from Gentiles. And now in Christ, they have been brought together into one body. However, many were feeling the pressure to continue separation between Jews and Gentiles. But instead of standing up to this pressure, Peter gives in along with many other church leaders, including Barnabas. Paul, on the other hand, has the courage to stand up for the sake of the gospel. And what we will see in our text is that if we too would stand up for the gospel in our day, then we cannot give in to fear. We cannot give in to hypocrisy. And we cannot give in to pride. So hear now the word of the Lord. Galatians chapter 2 verses 11 through 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live Like Jews. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. O great God, we give you blessing for the testimonies of the prophets, for the statutes of your law, for the gospel of Christ, for the witness of the apostles. O glorious God, we pray, grant us the spirit of your glory and the brightness of your presence that as we come to your word, that we might have truth and understanding. And we pray this through Christ Jesus, our gracious Lord. Amen. Now, as we reflect upon this passage, the first thing that we see is that if we would stand up For the gospel, we cannot give in to fear. Look again at verses 11 through 12 in your text there as you are sitting at home. Pull out your Bible if you don't have it yet. Open it up. We want to be looking at Galatians chapter 2, 11 and 12. And it says this. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Now, we need a bit of background to understand what is happening in these verses. The first thing that we need to see is that Paul is jumping back and forth in Galatians between referring to Peter as either Peter or Cephas. You see, these are both referring to the same word, which is rock, the name that Jesus gave to Simon Peter. And so Paul jumps back and forth between Cephas, which is Aramaic, and Peter, which is Greek. 
I'm not sure if that makes anything clear for you, but just know Peter and Cephas are the same person. Second, we see that Peter was sharing table fellowship with Gentile Christians in Antioch. That is, he was freely eating with Gentiles who had come to faith in Jesus Christ. He had put aside the dietary laws, believing that the gospel had fulfilled their requirement. But something changed when men from James came to Antioch. Something about this encounter caused him to separate himself from Gentile Christians out of fear, as the text says. And third, we need to know who this circumcision party is. Now, on first reading, you might think it is the men that come from James, but it's actually doubtful that the men from James constitute the circumcision party because Paul has nothing negative to say about them in general or about James in particular in this context. So who is this group? Well, we know historically that around the time frame that this happened, there was a zealous group of Jews who were violently opposing any other Jew who gave in to cultural drift. That is, they were using force to stop Jews from blending with the surrounding Gentile cultures in an effort to preserve their own culture. And so it seems very likely that the church in Jerusalem was feeling this pressure not to mix with Gentiles. And so they sent men from James to request that Peter and other Jewish leaders stop mixing with Gentiles. Not because they thought it was against the gospel or that they needed to stop eating with the Gentiles, but rather because they were feeling outside cultural pressure to stop doing it. So what we have here is Peter compromising his belief out of fear. Men from James have said that it might be better not to eat with Gentiles, not because they believed it was wrong, but because they thought it would make life easier for everyone if they stopped. But Paul stood up to Peter and to the rest of these men because by giving in to fear, they were undermining the gospel itself. By separating from Gentiles, they were saying by their actions that Christ was not enough. That is, his life of obedience was not sufficient to justify them before God. His blood had not completely cleansed them of their guilt. His resurrection had not ushered in a new creation in which Jew and Gentile were no longer defining categories. What Peter saw as a small accommodation to satisfy the demands of the circumcision party was actually denying the gospel of free grace itself. Following Christ has never been the easy path. It is not for the faint of heart. Jesus told us that those who desire to be his followers will face persecution. You see, the world will not blindly stand by as the church seeks to live out the implications of the gospel. Cultural norms, if not followed by the church, will be forced upon the church. And if you're going to stand for the gospel, you cannot give in to fear. Each generation will face its own pressures in this regard. And it seems in our day, That sexuality is the cultural pressure that is being placed upon the church. 
Whether we are being pressured to overlook cohabitation, perform same-sex weddings, or indulge in the delusion of transgenderism, the church is facing growing pressure and threat from the culture to abandon biblical truth. And it would be far easier if we would all just give in. If we would not poke the bear as it were. It would be far easier if Christians as a group would close their mouths and look the other way. But by giving in to fear, we would undermine the gospel itself. It would deny the power of Christ. It would not be an act of love. It would be an act of fear. For how could we claim to love someone if we ignore their sin in light of the reality of God's Word? To stand for the Gospel in our age, we cannot give in to fear. As we reflect upon this incident in Galatians chapter 2, we realize that Peter and the other Jewish Christians are not acting out of conviction. They're acting out of expediency. That is to say, they had not reflected upon the gospel and its implications and then decided that it was best to withdraw from eating with their Gentile brothers. They were not doing what they believed was right, but rather what they believed was practical. And this is what we call hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is to believe one thing, but to act contrary to that belief, right? It's like if Dave Ramsey took out a 30-year mortgage or used credit cards to finance his lifestyle, right? If you say, you know, I don't believe in government spending, I think that's bad, but man, I really hope I get a stimulus check in a couple of months, right? That's hypocrisy. You're saying that you believe one thing, but you're acting a completely different way. Look at verse 13. We see this hypocrisy played out. It says... And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, right? They followed Peter so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. In this verse, as you see, hypocrisy shows up twice to emphasize the point that what the Jewish Christians were doing was not according to their beliefs. Right. This point is highlighted by the fact that even Barnabas gave in to this behavior. Now, if you remember, Barnabas had helped to spearhead the mission to the Gentiles. He had been a bold proclaimer of the gospel and had assisted Paul in his missionary journeys. It is clear that he believed the message of the gospel had torn down this wall of division between these two groups. It's clear that he believed Jesus was not just the Jewish Messiah, but he was the Messiah of the whole world. But the whole belief system built by the gospel message is destroyed if the ceremonial law of circumcision and dietary laws is enforced within the church. Why is that? Because living according to these requirements mean that, that you have, that you do not have faith in the accomplished work of Christ. Prior to Christ, the ceremonial law acted as a guide to the coming Messiah. It was preparing. It was pointing. It was the shadow. But Christ was the substance. But if you continue to hold to the shadow once the substance is present, then that shadow becomes an idol. 
Think of it this way. It would be as if you were deployed on a military operation and you brought a picture of your wife with you. Each night you looked at that picture and thought of your lovely bride and how much you missed her. Then the day came that you returned home. But you grew so attached to the picture that you couldn't give it up to live with your real flesh and blood spouse. It seems ridiculous. But the truth is, sometimes a shadow and a picture are a better idol. It's a, you replace the, the, the real thing with the idol because it's easier for you to do that than to deal with a real person with all their faults and complexities. And the Christian Jews who stop eating with the Gentiles were saying, you know, we believe in Jesus, we believe He's the Messiah, but we're going to go back to the shadow. We're going to go back to the picture. We don't want the real thing. We're going to say we believe one thing, but we're going to act contrary to that belief. But you cannot stand for the gospel if you give in to hypocrisy. That is, you cannot say that you believe in the gospel, but live as though the gospel has no real effect on your life. For it means nothing to claim Christ but to live contrary to Him. And far too long the evangelical church has been guilty of such hypocrisy. We have claimed Christ, but we have acted like the rest of the world around us. We have called for purity, but we have indulged in pornography. We have called for life, but we have ignored the orphan. We have called for truth, but we have lived by lies. We have called for the strengthening of families, but we have divorce rates that match the cultures. It is not enough to say that you believe the gospel, but then to turn away from the implications of the gospel. It is to indulge in idolatry to say, I believe in Christ, but not to follow after Christ. You see, it's not enough for Peter and Barnabas to say that it was okay to eat with Gentiles. To stand for the gospel, they had to actually do it. And if we would stand for the gospel in our day, We cannot say that we believe one thing and act contrary to that belief. We must act on our belief to stand for the gospel. You see, to stand for the gospel, you cannot give in to fear. For there will be pressure that is brought against you to abandon what you believe. To stand for the gospel, you cannot give in to hypocrisy. Saying you believe one thing but doing something else. And the final thing that we see in our text is that to stand for the gospel, you cannot give in to pride. Look at verse 14 of our text. It says, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live? Like Jews. Now Paul takes a bold step of publicly confronting Peter with his sin. Peter has lived like a Gentile prior to the circumcision bringing party bringing pressure upon him. Right, he had 
ignored dietary laws, believed that they had been fulfilled in Christ, was sharing table fellowship. He lived like a Gentile. But then when the pressure came, he then lived in such a way that made it so that the Gentiles now would have to live like Jews if they wanted to be accepted. That is, they would have to live by the ceremonial law. Now, this rebuke was public because Peter's sin had major public ramifications. Peter was a leader and maybe the leader among leaders. And everyone was following him. And therefore, his sin needed to be called out before the church so that all could see the error of his actions. For his actions were not in step with the truth of the gospel, as the text says. For the gospel teaches us that we are accepted into the family of God, not according to works, not according to heritage, but only by faith in the grace of Jesus Christ. For Jesus died upon the cross to wash away all of our sin, to take one who was stained by sin and to make him as white as snow. And this is how you are brought into the family of God. By repenting of your sin and placing your faith in Jesus Christ alone. But in separating from the Gentiles, Peter was saying, there is something about you Gentiles that Christ did not cleanse. There is something missing from your credentials. That is, he was saying Christ is not enough to save Gentiles. But the Gospel says that Christ is more than enough. That you need not seek your forgiveness and acceptance by God through any other means except through His grace given to you in His Son. Now, how did Peter respond? Well, Paul does not explicitly tell us how Peter responded to this. So, we have to use broader context in the rest of the Bible to answer this question. Now, the first thing that we note is that Paul is using this example to display the unity of the gospel message between himself and the other apostles. That's in the broader context of Galatians. He's showing that they're preaching the same gospel. And that means within this context, we would assume that Peter repented of his error. Second, we see in later New Testament letters, both Peter and Paul write positively about each other. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 and Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3 both refer to one another in positive light. And third, we know historically that Peter continued his ministry among both Jews and Gentiles. And tradition tells us that Peter went on to found the church in Rome alongside Paul and that he was eventually martyred by Nero. He stood for the gospel by not giving in to pride. You see, all that we know points to the conclusion that Peter did not allow pride to overcome him. But rather, he received the correction of his brother in Christ for the sake of the gospel. And we must be as humble as Peter is. We must be willing to receive correction from brothers and sisters in Christ. When we go astray, when we live contrary to the gospel, we need to be humble enough to hear a sermon or to hear the word of a Sunday school teacher or of a parent or of a teacher at school or of somebody within the church 
that comes to us with the truth of God's word and not give in to pride. Because if we follow the path of pride, we harden ourselves against the gospel. And therefore, if we will stand for the gospel, we cannot give in to pride, but we must humbly repent. One of the things that I love about Peter is that he is so extremely relatable. Of all the disciples, Peter is the one that seems the most human, if you will. He's so zealous for Christ, but then he fumbles it so often, right? He's not perfect. He makes mistakes. He desires to do the right thing, but often he allows his emotions to take him all over to the wrong places. When Jesus told Peter that he had to die on the cross, Peter corrected him. He corrected the Lord Jesus. He said, you don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. You're not going to die. When Jesus was being tried, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. And when the circumcision party brought pressure to stop eating with the Gentiles, Peter gave in. But when confronted with his sin, Peter humbled himself. He did not allow his pride to harden him in his sin. And if we would stand for the gospel, we too must not give in to pride, but we must humble ourselves before the implications of the gospel. We must see that we will often fail and we will often sin and make fools out of ourselves. We will be led by fear. We will act hypocritically. But when we are confronted by the truth of the gospel, we must humble ourselves and repent. Christian, will you stand for the gospel in 2021? Then do not give in to fear. Do not give in to hypocrisy, doing that which is practical and not that which you believe. And do not give in to pride, but humble yourself before the Word of God and before the Gospel of truth and receive the grace that has been given to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we come to you now and we pray that you would give to us the boldness to stand for the gospel. Lord, we, if we were honest, would say that most of the time we are not Paul in this incident, but we are Peter. We are the one that needs correction. We are the one who have given in to peer pressure. We are the one who have acted hypocritically. Oh, would you give to us the grace to humble ourselves before the truth of your word and to receive your grace. We pray that you would give us strength to walk according to the gospel this year and to the end of our days. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.